Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. This is Joseph Greco filling in for John Cutton today. John Cutton had a little bit of a conflict, but uh, today we're going to interview Ryan George, who's the Chief Marketing Officer of DocuPace, uh, formerly of First Global, who actually had a great relationship with uh, Jeff Magson, who works at our wealth management firm, which is how we connected here. Um, so Ryan, welcome to the show. It's great to meet you here and uh, excited to get into this conversation to talk a little bit about um, technology, right? And how some of the advisors in the industry could really use technology to their advantage um, and start to work with clients in a smarter, more efficient way. So welcome to the show. Awesome. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about what we're going to discuss today. All right, great. Um, so, hey, today our topic is technology and how to really focus on engaging with clients in a better way. So, you know, Ryan, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, what we thought before the show about some of the shortfalls, right, in the industry here. Um, so let me hear from your mouth. I mean, what do you think are the biggest shortfalls today in the wealth management industry as it stands with advisors and using technology? Sure. I, well, you know, in general, I think um, as much as I love this business, as much as I have loved working with financial advisors, there's always been this sort of frustration that I have of that there's an opportunity right now that sits in front of advisors that I don't think has happened before, at least in terms of size and amplitude. Um, but I also don't think that people are reacting to that opportunity like they could. Um, so in, in general, there's, um, you know, I'll list them out quickly that we can dive into them. So like failing the battle of the old guard so that up and coming advisors are sort of seeding territory to um, some of the old guard who's been sort of stagnant for some time. Um, there's this, you know, whether it's 60 trillion or 70 trillion or 100 trillion, whatever, whatever that number is today about the wealth transfer, we've been talking about it for decades. But I've never, I have not seen um, advisory firms and wealth management firms really adjust themselves to attack that market and describe their value, their, the value they can provide within that wealth transfer and, and be able to uh, engage with clients on both sides of it. Those that are giving the money or seeding the money, as well as those that are uh, um, those that are um, following there. Um, and next, you know, um, next is you know being like failing to modernize the business, and this is where sort of the technology comes into play. Um, and first would be not investing in scale. So a lot of firms like let's go back up, say, fifteen years. Um, the market has gone up, um, therefore assets have gone up, therefore. Um, a lot of money has been going up for revenue for firms. Um, that has created somewhat of a smog in terms of where what's really going on in the business. Are they really able to scale and grow grow clients, grow their business to be more efficient? Um, and then also sort of what what is great for me and you that you'd understand this is people are a lot of st still relying on like old hat newsletters and market commentaries and not really figuring out exactly how to uh, market their business. And the result of that is. They're not growing. So if you look at the statistics, most of the growth in advisory firms has come from market, um, you know, the market increasing, not from actually getting new clients. So those are just we can dive into each of those whichever you like. But I think those are sort of some key points about where um, where the business is maybe not operating um, optimally. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, you know, for our listeners here, as you know, you know, we just went through a global pandemic, and I think you know you see a lot of data on that. Um, that really transformed everything. I think ten or fifteen years ahead, not only with how we do business with our clients virtually now, uh, but everything is much more 
I say quick to market, right? You really can get to the consumer now um, extremely quickly within a few seconds or a few minutes uh, via email, you know, instead of doing snail mail or old school mailers there. Um, the whole kind of industry, I think, has changed, you know, for the better, in my opinion, over these past few years. Um, and now it really becomes, well, what is your messaging, right? And how does your messaging really resonate, um, I think, with the end consumer to where I'm not sure if that mattered too much in the past um, to where, you know, I guess it did somewhat, right? But now I think it really becomes you know, what is your internet presence, right? How does your firm look virtually, right? Because, you know, when someone wants to check out a wealth management firm, they're not driving 20 minutes across town to walk into the lobby of your office. They're doing research on the internet. Um, not knocking on the door, for sure. Yeah, exactly, right? They really want to kind of build that uh, profile, I guess, that digital profile in their head uh, before they actually take the first step to engage with a wealth manager. And that's something that we've definitely seen um, over these past few years and something where we're really putting our energy towards. Um, it's a different world, right? And again, I think the pandemic pandemic has uh, you know, brought some almost blessings to us uh, to be able to really engage clients in a more digital way. So let's get into it one by one. I think you really outlined it um, in a good sense. So let's talk a little bit about the old guard. And again, I know we both have experience um, engaging accountants, right? And accountants, in my opinion, are a little bit more of the old guard, right? They do business in a very old way. They still use a lot of paper, et cetera. Um, so talk a little bit more to our listeners about kind of how you view the old guard and kind of, you know, younger generation getting into the industry and how they're working alongside. Yeah. So I, I think, um, first, I want to say that this isn't necessarily to knock on people who are older, who've been in business a long time. Sure. I appreciate what they've done. Um, but what I do think is uh, a large generation of advisors are getting older. Um, They're serving clients in a different way. And what I have not seen is sort of younger entrepreneurial minded advisors come up and look to try to creep into that book of business, right? So they know the, um, and, and do it in a, in a scalable way. I think that that's, they're just sort of letting them a, a trip um, as they retire or sell off their business. And I think that's sort of, uh, that's, a good that's a decent strategy, but not the best it could be. Because I do think looking and building um, the new ways, and not necessarily just repeating what the the generation before you did. I think it, I think it creates an opportunity for new models and sort of new business models. Like think of um, traditionally, advisors have sort of served in their community or within their general proximity. You know, it's not that hard today to be a fully national advisor um, with the tools that you have today. You can have world call on Zoom. You can um, you know visit people once a year. It's definitely open to that. But I think people are still trying to adjust to, again, business models that got the sort of about the industry where they are today and not necessarily where they need what we may need uh, moving forward. Yeah, no, completely agree. It's a, it's very much a different world and you have to really adapt, I think, to how clients want to work with you. Um, and like you said, not everybody needs four meetings in person a year, right? I don't really think that model um, really holds up too much anymore. Some clients do, right? Especially if you have a lot of complex issues and they really value some of that handholding from, you know, month to month, week to week, et cetera. Um, but a lot of clients in our experience, once you kind of get them going on your client's service path, they understand the expectations, you know, you really build that relationship. It's not really needed. And I agree. I think a lot of advisors force some of that contact to where they think that, hey, if I'm not speaking with the advisor, right, I may lose the client, someone may get in their ear, which is, you know, sort of true in some aspects. But if you really do a good enough job, I think, as an advisor, um, and you build a true relationship with them, I don't really think, you know, that really is too much of a concern. So. Yeah, in any long-term relationship, say you have a 20 relationship with a client with an advisor, um, at least a good portion of those, a client may feel, hey, it's time for a change. Um Maybe I, I don't feel get the love that I used to. There's all sorts of things that I think you could take an up client acquisition opportunity from, um, and just looking at a way to sort of disrupt some of the tried and true methods. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the wealth transfer. And I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, as you know, Ryan, this is probably the biggest problem in our industry um, is retaining assets from generation to generation. Everybody has a problem with it. Um, we're doing okay with it, right? But I think we still have a problem with it from time to time because, as you know, um, the children really don't like to use mom and dad's financial advisor. They have their own person in mind. They built their own relationships through life. And I think it's also, too, more of an independence thing to where they look at it and say, I want to make my own decision with this, right? The money's now mine, or I inherited some assets. Um, I have an idea in mind. I'm not sure that mom and dad's financial advisor understands me, can really work with me in the way I want. Um, I'm going to go to my friend or a recommendation that I've seen here. So let's talk about that a little more. I'd love to see your opinion on that um, and how you think advisors can really do a better job to really combat that and keep those assets in house. Well, just so I understand the dynamics can be complex, right? So again, right. They are, you are your father's or your mother's financial advisor, you may not have the nest, the biggest interest. However, a couple of things that I think are simple steps that have not happened. One is um, the first transfers. Everybody talks about the generational transfer, but what about the transfer of wealth within spouse relationships? Um, for instance, if you're only dealing with one spouse, whether it be the male or female or whatever, whichever piece, um, if you're not dealing with both ends of that, you have a risk of, of moving. So uh, a couple of years ago, Fidelity did a study of when uh, a husband would pass away, the surviving spouse would generally move the money to where the, the their kids' venture advisor is. Um, it was like a 71% move rate, which is crazy. And all that is is because the advisor didn't wasn't able to develop a relationship on both. So that's the first one I think is really important. Um, the generational transfer, I think, is it, it's twofold problem that I think is is could be better addressed. The first is if I'm transfer money, if I have been like benefited enough to have built a level of quote unquote wealth in my life. Um, having that conversation of what that wealth means and what that wealth, what, what that money can do, whether it's a specific charitable venture, um, and you don't have to wait until you pass away to do so, right? So you can start that transfer, make an impact um, you know, early on. So that, that sort of legacy planning uh, was something that we were big on at First Global. I'm sure you're, you're big on as well within your firm. Um, and I think that's, that's the start of it. The second is um, preparing people who have never received or never had that level of assets before, um, you know, think about like lottery winners who tend to blow their money so quickly they don't know what to do with it. So preparing the sort of financial planning, financial sound financial steps early on, even if you're not getting paid on that advice, I think will get you some, put some credit in the bank to when they have that money, what, what they would do with it. Yeah, no, great, great points there. Um, something that we try to do is something called the family planning meeting, right? So eventually get the children all in the same room, um, you know, I don't want to say convinced, but, you know, have enough leverage to where, you know, the, the parents are at least open to discussing what they have. It doesn't have to be everything in detail, um, but we see that a lot to where the parents are a little bit um, hesitant, right, to let their children know they have a few million dollars of assets, right? I think a lot of negatives go into their head about what if, uh, but what we learned is once you get that conversation out, it really does build trust within the family. Um, and if you were the advisor, in our opinion, who really drove that conversation to the table and made it happen, um, the children are a lot more thankful full right and can really understand that you have their best interests in mind so yeah. i don't know what you thought about that but yeah, i think it's really a tough cool. it's a tough conversation so i remember years ago my wife and i were preparing our will documents um and we sat down with the attorney sitting across the table and she said okay um and we were about to have a child at the time so we had not had a child yet but we were about to um and she asked okay so if you pass away uh who gets the child and my wife and i looked at each other like we never discussed this, but clearly we both had ideas. And it turns out both of our ideas were the same, 
But that's the type of things that I think can be uncomfortable conversations that are really important. Right. Yeah. Great. You said it well said that, that I think that really is um, the job of a financial advisor, right? To have some of those hard conversations sometimes. Um, and sometimes they're not willing to do it, you know, and I think that's what really separates the better advisors um, from the ones that just check the boxes. Right. So I completely agree. And, and you know, so what's funny that I think somewhere gets missed is uh, if you're say people call it holistic financial planning, providing education and getting some sound financial principles into the next generation of a client of yours actually could be beneficial to your the client you're advising for a couple of reasons. One, if you believe the child has better um, sound financial principles, then they're not maybe not going to lean on or need money from your client as much as they do. Um, but also, it can you know again build you credit to possibly you know creating a future direct client relationship. Yeah, no, I completely agree there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about future proofing your business. And I know John talks a lot about this with, you know, other advisors that he speaks with and within our firm. Um, so let's delve into that, you know, Ryan, let's talk about, you know, advisors not investing in scale, which is something that we see a lot with a lot of businesses that we speak with. Um, and I agree with you here about some of the, uh, what we call arcane marketing strategies. Um, in my opinion, nobody wants to read a market update, right? Unless you're someone that's really that analytical and you really value that data from week to week. Um, in our opinion, it just kind of goes over most people's heads. They really want to see that you care, you understand what their goals and their values are, and how you can really connect with them on a more personal basis. So let's talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I think, let's start with scale. Um, sure. I think scale is hard. It's one of those words that seems esoteric, and they don't, don't know what it means. I'll try to frame it as simply as possible. Um, being able to do more on a sort of exponential level without having to increase expenses um, in the same line. So for instance, if I have, you know, two hundred thousand dollars in operating expenses and I get a million dollars of revenue on it, um, effective scale would allow me to get, you know, five million dollars of revenue with two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's a way to scale the business. And I think some of the headwinds that you have is personnel. So if you have, say, one assistant in your office, um, how can you make that assistant most effective and be able to and leverage them to communicate with clients and be the backup to the advisor versus just pushing paper around in file boxes. Like that's something that DocuBase particularly helps with. And I think when you think of scale, I think it's broad in terms of what is every activity, what is everything I touch? And am I the right person to touch it? Is it going to the right place? Um, and is it having the minimal amount of steps uh, across the process? And so that's that's part of that scale. And I think what the challenge has been, um, let's talk specifically in the RA space. Um, as the RA market has changed over time, you, you know, you still have, 30,000 or so, so solo practitioners or one and two practitioners. And they have built a very good business for themselves um, with the resources that they have. The challenge is that they are now really bumping up against the ceiling of what they can do um, because clients are demanding more, clients have have interest in. So you don't have the freedom or the flexibility to go out and sort of build a business or attract new clients because you're just busy serving the clients you have today. And I think that's what investing in scale will allow you to do is allow your business to run a little bit more on its own, a little bit more automated and free up the advisor to go um, be more sort of out in front and building business. Yeah, agree. And um, I would love to get your thoughts on this. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about investing in scale and something John talks a lot about is it's never usually a straight line, right? There are very few things that you can invest in that you'll just, you know, a, 
instantly, right? Basically be more profitable. Usually it's a little bit of a downhill, right? First, before you learn the systems, the processes, um, you know, if you hire a junior advisor, you're going to have to spend a year or two training them to make sure they're up to speed with the clients. Um, that's, you know, that advisor comes with the salary, et cetera. So I'd love to see your thoughts on that. Um, are you also seeing that as well to where, again, you make an investment, but it really is an investment, right? It's not an instant payoff. You really have to see it through and make sure you can really lead that as an advisor as well. Well, sure. I mean, there, there's some significant challenges there. And if it was easy to scale, every business would do it. I actually think um, it's one of the bigger challenges of any business trying to level up themselves is getting to that next level is very challenging. So one, it's making the right investment. So um, I try, try to think of it in terms of not necessarily investment, but finding the right partner that you want to invest in that project together. So it's a partner that understands what you're trying to do with your business, whether it's a technology vendor, whether it's a wealth management partner like yourselves, or whether it's even like a broker dealer partner or whomever, trying to find the partner who is going to come alongside you and sort of be a part of your team um, and looking to build and understand your business. That's key. Uh, the second part is the adoption side. So there are uh, an infinite amount of technologies that are being paid for in this business that are not being used. So, I mean, it, it's crazy to me, but it's also human nature, right? So like my wife and I are paying for likely some subscription or some technology that we're not using either. So it's just, it's human nature these days. Um, I think finding a way to create a plan. So before, you know, start implementation, then go past that in order to sort of check in whether you're using the tool effectively. Um, but also the last part, I think, is where true scale comes in is what is the cross tabulation? So what are the uh, one technology together may not be one thing or one process improvement, maybe one thing, but adding them together, that's where you can get your lift to. So coming up with that calculus in finding that, I think, is the core part of actually being successful. Yeah, agreed. And it's, uh, I think that will speak to everybody. I'm sure everybody's paying for subscription services that they don't fully use. Um, I personally try to be very ruthless about that. So I don't really have a lot of expenses uh, from month to month, but I see it a lot with friends, coworkers, colleagues, etc. Um, everybody has something that they forget about. And hey, all of a sudden you're paying $200 a month for your business for something that you don't use. And uh, it adds up quick. So it does add up, you know, $80 here, $120 there. Like um, it does add up. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Quantum Growth for Financial Advisor listeners. One ask of all of you, as you know, we do these simply to help all of you grow your businesses and grow your practices, become better leaders, better advisors, more valuable to your community. Share this with a friend, give us five stars, make a comment. Uh, we'd love to, to get more and more listeners. The world of abundance is out there, so don't be shy to share it with other financial advisors in the industry. Thank you, as always. So let's switch gears a little bit, Ryan. I'm enjoying this conversation so far. I think it's very insightful, uh, you know, some, for some advisors to really think at a high level about some of this stuff. So let's talk about how advisors can be better equipped to serve their clients, right? We all go to, you know, work from day to day, engage with clients, right? Look to get referrals, right? New assets, go deeper with our clients. I think all of those things are pretty much said, but um, I love your opinion about how advisors should be experts on a few things. And I agree with you. I think it, it really goes farther um, than financial advice. So let's talk uh, about a few things that you really think advisors should be experts on outside of just being competent wealth managers who can manage a portfolio for a client. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a bull market in soft skills in this business right now. There's um, 
the days of like the the analyst type advisor who's you know deep into the portfolios and managing stocks and that still exists to some degree but i think what people are often looking for is the advisor like to you know to be very true the advisor so looking for you know um fraud is a big thing cybersecurity is a huge a challenge that people have that the advisor should be a cybersecurity expert but you know create a plan um you know you can do both education as well as you know here's a five-step plan if you think there's fraud on your account and then you become you know advisor can become a useful advisor in, in terms of something you're not there to help prevent cybersecurity you're there to just help educate them and be that trusted source because you know if you go online these days you never know what you're gonna right so the being a, a, a mouthpiece for those types of things i think health and wellness is something that and i know invest that has been very big about sort of the health and wellness thing i think those two things have lots of importance to them one um health is a lot of how you can work and how you can um you know stay uh, stay you know earning later in life or whatever you look to do but in the wellness part of it but also it comes to play within as we get more longevity in life um you know helping uh, helping a client see earlier what their life may be like if they live to 110 years like that's not something that a conversation you know i've grown up in this business with you know two gray-haired people sitting on a vineyard in sonoma drinking wine is sort of how like they markets position themselves that's great, but what about the next three years, right? Those are going to be expensive years to live. How do you plan for those? Um, and then tax planning, you know, I was speaking, um, speaking, talking to your book, of course, which is, you know, how can you separate the importance of tax and financial advice? I, I don't know how you can do it. Granted, you know, I'm a bit of a blue bud, you know, tax and accounting and financial planning together person. who have been doing this a long time. Um, but I do think those two are really important uh, in finding a way to pair those two together. And the last one is really, how are you become that overall sort of sage wisdom advice uh, within the advisor-client relationship where um, they call you for, you know, maybe business advice or maybe, hey, I'm, I'm coming into this. I'm not talking about being a marriage counselor or anything like that, but you are, you know, everybody's got uh, a few people that they have in their phone that they know when they need advice that they're the one to call. You need to make sure that you're that person, right? You're in that group. Um, and I think that's part of what the role is. And all those things, none of those really, I've mentioned really have to do with sort of straight financial planning or straight financial advice. These are just rounding out um, the position that advisors have within the advisor-client relationship. Yeah, no, completely agree. And it's something that we talk a lot about at our firm. Um, as you know, usually the accountant is the most trusted advisor, but we like to say that we try to be the quarterback um, of our clients' financial lives. And that comes with a lot of benefits. You know, when they start calling you for uh, you know, real uh, realtor referral or something, you know, more they need to refinance their mortgage, etc. Um, then you kind of know, hey, I'm a little bit more than an advisor. They're coming to me. They trust my opinion. Um, they trust my advice. They know I have relationships. Uh, and I'm glad that you mentioned some of this stuff because it's completely true. Um, you know, you can't just be an advisor anymore that I think just focuses on finances. Again, big part of it, right? That's our core competency here as advisors. Uh, but educating a client about, you know, uh, cybersecurity scams, right? I know my grandma has been unfortunately victim to a few. Um, I would love if she actually had an advisor who gave her that advice, um, as opposed to me having to clean up some of the pieces. You know, I tried to give her some advice on it, but as you know, it's difficult sometimes, right? But I think that's almost is, um, again, goes hand in hand with your finances, right? That is, you know, the risk of your money there being, you know, attacked by 
cyber criminals, as I guess we'll call it there. Um, yeah. Health and wellness, yeah. right? Living longer, right? I mean, listen, I mean, the longer you live, the more financial issues that you probably have to deal with there, uh, but who wouldn't want to live longer, right? So if you can kind of give advice around longevity, which we talk about as well, um, that's great. Obviously, tax planning, right? I think we're both students of the same tree there. Um, the more that, right, it's not about, you know, the top line rate of return, as we say, it's about the bottom line rate of return, right, after taxes. So how do taxes um, and estate planning come into your financial plan? So I love how you mentioned all those things. I think that's very relevant to our Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, another thing that I failed to mention is when I say becoming the expert is really valuable, and also knowing the experts is valuable, meaning um, if, if you can hand off to an account, if you can hand off to a state attorney, if you can you know, be the person that somebody, like the person in the know, the guy, the guy or gal that knows the guy or gal, right? Like there's value in that. Um, and I think clients will really appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. And uh, as you know, this is really a relationship business, right? I mean, you know, it's uh, again, core competency, right? Managing money, getting a good rate of return, leading your clients. But um, at the end of the day, it's about trust and a relationship there. So, you know, if your client has enough trust to come to you to say, I need help with this, right? I know you don't do it, but who do you know? Um, I think that's almost the magic, you know, key to where you know that you have a deeper relationship with your client than just, hey, did I get 10% in my account right this year? Sure. And again, sure. I think a lot of advisors don't understand that. Um, you know, again, you had to be a good advisor, but if you can't really get to the next level, with your client, the second that somebody gets in their ear, right, or somebody says, hey, you should work with this person, you know, hey, why didn't you get 12% instead of 10, they're more than likely to leave you. But once you form that real relationship, um, and a real on a deep, real human level, um, it becomes a little bit difficult, right, to kind of break that relationship, I think, with the financial. It can give portfolio management lost places. They what they want is how do you understand me? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, very well said. Um, so hey, I know we ran through a lot today. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on that we didn't touch on today? Um, you know, the one thing I would say is the time is now. Um, when I say that, I mean, we've got a, some economic uncertainty. The really sort of first real economic uncertainty we've had in a long time. You see, not a day goes by that you don't see a large company having layoffs or this or that. I think now is a time where um, it's, it could be a short period. Hopefully it's a short period where advisors will really earn their keep uh, working with their clients, right? So stepping up, um, you know, I would encourage advisors who, you know, are connected with their clients on social media, they see that somebody's had a job change. Like, how do you step into that? Um, even if uh, you see like, oh, they work for this company, this company had layoffs, they weren't involved, but just reaching out to them and be an empathetic sounding board uh, to, because you know, if a company loses 10% of its workforce, the rest of the remaining workforce is going to have to step up a few more. And I think advisors can really um, just rise to that challenge of a, a need right now that I think is challenging, you know, with rising interest rates and inflation and all these things. Most people, uh, I'm 40 years old, I've never in my life dealt with high inflation. Um, you know, it's how do I adjust to that? And how do you explain these things to me? I think it's really important for advisors to uh, to try to attack head on. Yeah, absolutely. Really kind of have that wherewithal to understand that deeper conversations I think are needed. Um, and to your point, you know, I think if you reach out to someone who just unfortunately lost their job, um, they may not be alone, right? They may have other people that they know who have also lost their job, right? At their company um, could be an easy way for an introduction, right? To kind of show your expertise there and just have, a, you know, another ear to lean on, right? For that person. Yeah. And I think they're I mean, the good news is often when people lose their job, they can bounce back and find another opportunity that may be even better than they were before. It may take some time. So finding that people, those people, like you just said, it that creates an opportunity for could be a very valuable sort of moving forward relationship. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So great, Ryan. I enjoyed our conversation today. I think we went over a lot of things, you know, in some pretty high level and detail here. Um, so where can people find you, Ryan? Um, you know, if you don't mind, share your email, maybe a website that we can reach you. Um, and I'll obviously put everything in the show notes where people can link to you there. If they want sure. To. Well, I am all over the internet, um, but uh, <laughs> you can, the easiest place to find me, my email is ryan underscore george at docupace.com. Docupace is our website. You can also find all sorts of fun stuff, educational pieces at docupace.com. Um, uh, easiest place that we find me online would be um, LinkedIn, um, backslash RA George. I'm, I'm on there most of the time, networking with other people, finding out all the cool things that other people are up to, what they have to say. So that's probably the easiest place to find me. Great. All right. Well, hey, I will put all those in the show notes um, and I'll be sure that people can contact you easily if they love to uh, follow up on this podcast. So thank you so much. All right. Well, hey, appreciate your time today, Ryan. Uh, great conversation here. Uh, to our listeners, if you yourself or anyone would make a great guest for our Quantum Growth for Advisor podcast, please don't keep us a secret. Uh, feel free to reach out and we'll see if we can get you or that special guest on the show. Thanks, everybody. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.